Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Krenitsia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and noteworthy Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Tuesday, December 13th, 2022. This episode is produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper published in English in the United States since 1933. Our guest for today's episode is Yuri Boyechko, who is president of a nonprofit humanitarian group called Hope for Ukraine. Welcome, Yuri. How are you? Good to be here, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us today on Kudenitsia. To start off with, I would like to get some information about your educational and professional background. Yeah, so I was... um born and raised in Lviv, Ukraine. At the age of 16, I have moved to the United States uh, for college. So I did my undergraduate in biblical studies. And then uh, I moved on to do my master degree in uh, film, you know, directing for cinema and television. After graduating from uh, my film school, I've spent uh, many years in the entertainment industry you know, working on different uh, TV shows, commercials, uh, infomercials, so on and so forth. And um, along with my professional life in 2016, I have started, uh, along with my brother, a nonprofit called Hope for Ukraine. And that we, until the war, full-scale war broke out, we've been doing it. Well, uh, just as an as a background, as something that we do in once in a while, and then uh, after February twenty fourth, it really took a different um, place in our lives. So now we are really consumed uh, with everything that's going on in Ukraine, and um, so that's become a big focus in my life since February twenty fourth. Why did you originally start Hope for Ukraine in 2016? So it was a response to initial annexation of Crimea and what happened in Donbass region. And uh, so we wanted to start this to help uh, the refugees at that time. And also uh, we saw a need for medical treatment for children in Ukraine. There's a lot of kids who have treatable uh, conditions, but because of lack of funding, uh, you know, the parents could not afford to pay for those treatments. So we basically became that bridge to uh, provide that um, funding and help in order to cure some of the diseases and help some of these children. So that was basically our initial uh, desire, initial goal, and until the war, you know, we've been involved in uh, many different uh, projects. You know, just as I mentioned before, the health care for children, you know, the family support projects, you know, refugee uh, crisis, uh, so on and so forth. So where are you located? So we are located in uh, New Jersey. Our headquarters is in New Jersey, Roseland, New Jersey. So. Uh, about uh, 5% of everything we do take place here in the United States and 95% uh, 
of everything we do take place in Ukraine. Over the years, we were fortunate enough to build a huge network of volunteers all across Ukraine. And right now, uh, we got over 100 volunteers that uh, we work with all across Ukraine, uh, trying to help as many people as we can. So do you have any staff at all? Yeah, so right now we have two people on staff and the rest are volunteer-based and contractor-based teams that we work with all across Ukraine and here in the United States. And how difficult was it for you to change your direction with Hope for Ukraine when the war in Ukraine started? I mean, I was, uh, I know I'm still until today, I mean... You know, this as this war enters into the tenth month. You know, I sleep on average, you know, not more than six hours. You know, four to six hours. It's been uh, overwhelming because as this war broke out, you know, we had to respond quickly. So we had to bring everything into place. We had to, you know, work with the different partners. You know, as far as purchasing food in Europe, arranging the the delivery to Ukraine, shipping containers from here, from United States to Ukraine, and then managing all the volunteer partners we have in Ukraine. So the aid would be delivered on time uh, each week, every every week, every day. So seven days a week, uh, you know, almost uh, 15 hour days each day. So uh, because need is so great that... Uh, you know, when I wake up in the morning and I look in the inbox, uh, the amount of requests for help that we receive is just overwhelming. And that's why, you know, I look at it is that, you know, our heroes who stand on the front line, you know, that they are there to defend freedom of Ukraine. And the least we can do and I can do and our team is to do the same just on a on the back end, you know, providing support, providing help for civilians, providing help for the frontline warriors as much as we can. So it's been a, a lot of learning, it's been a lot of uh, team building, but fortunately we've assembled a good people who really care about Ukraine and everything we do is just to see the change come to Ukraine and to see this war stop and to bring some kind of stability and normalcy to the peoples over there on the ground. And are you primarily providing food aid for Ukraine or are you doing other kinds of activities? So we tackle um, multiple of problems right now. So we've been feeding civilians ever since the war started. So at the present time, we have delivered over 45 million meals in Ukraine. We have volunteers bringing these grocery bags all across Ukraine each week. We have a center in Reev, Ukraine that uh, pro that provides shelter to refugees uh, since the war broke out. So up to today, we've seen over 1,300 individuals come through those doors, so some stay there for months, some stay there for two weeks, for a week, for a couple of days, as long as they can find a better place to stay. We also been involved in um, 
a lot of rescue missions where you know we send vans to frontline towns and rescue civilians and bring them to safety. And of course, you know, we help in uh, Ukrainian army you know, fighters with everything we can as far as clothing, food, uh, non-military aid as much as we can. And how do you decide who gets your aid in Ukraine? Is that a decision that's made locally on the ground by your volunteers in Ukraine? Yes. Yeah, so basically we trying to respond where the need is the greatest because right now situation is so dire that you can pull the the semi to any town in ukraine and people will you know clear that semi in a matter of half an hour because there's such need everywhere but uh, we look strategically where our resources and donations that people make to hope for Ukraine can make the biggest impact. So when you look back, you know, when the um, Ukrainian army uh, freed key region from uh, occupiers, you know, that was the primary area that we targeted, you know, Irpin, you know, all those towns around Kiev, that's where our volunteers went and provided the first response. Then we had Kharkiv region that got liberated. So. We had another wave of aid that we had to rush into those towns, Izum, uh, and so on and so forth. Then, just now, we're working on Kherson region. A lot of uh, our volunteers uh, provide aid to those liberated towns. Uh, so we kind of, as we get reports on the ground, where the biggest need, and of course, you know, Donetsk region, uh, it's just been um, now ongoing, you know, uh, hotspots for aid because you know like places like Sievers Donetsk we just had a team there two days ago uh, you know that town is completely under siege for like nine months plus but you know there's still civilians who are living in uh, basements of these buildings so it's basically like underground city and um you know, there is no infrastructure, there is no way for them to buy food. So they only live based on what our team brings there. So our primary focus is, you know, Eastern Ukraine, Southern Ukraine, but also we do a monthly distribution in Lviv and different Western towns to internally displaced families because uh, there's uh, over 200,000 internally displaced individuals in Lviv alone and these people basically live out of their suitcases so uh, it's um, that's why it's uh, such an overwhelming task that sometimes we don't know there's uh, who needs to get aid first but we're doing our best to respond to as many requests for help as we can and logistically how difficult has it been to get your humanitarian relief packages into Ukraine. When the war broke out, we made the decision uh, to purchase food in Europe in March. Uh, we purchased 660 tons of uh, groceries at that time. And that was a very strategic move on our behalf because we were able to get that food into Ukraine by the end of April. 
by the middle of, of May, and that food has been feeding people up to now. Uh, so we have worked with uh, different uh, companies, you know, and uh, so uh, to set up these deliveries of uh, a, everything that, like rice, uh, pasta, you know, some meats into Ukraine. And then we start organizing um, shipping containers out of the United States. Uh, so up to today, this week, we are shipping our 18th container from with humanitarian aid from the United States. So every container that's around 22 tons of humanitarian aid. So it's been over 400 tons that people have donated here in the United States and things that we have purchased. Uh, so uh, it's ongoing operations. So basically right now we're concentrating more on uh, delivering stuff from the United States because the prices in Europe has been just uh, so high that uh, comparing to what we have been purchasing stuff back in March versus now, it's just uh, it's been uh, almost doubled in prices and everything. How responsive has the Ukrainian-American community been to your efforts and are donations continuing to flow into your organization? Yeah, so uh, you Ukrainian American community has been great. You know, our main base is uh, actually the native, you know, um, English speaking population of the United States. So uh, about 95% of our partners and donors are native uh, Americans who are born here. And that was my initial idea to create this nonprofit to introduce Ukraine to. To people who don't have Ukrainian roots, to you know, just like we have different places around the globe uh, where people from different walks of life, different uh, backgrounds uh, help. I wanted to introduce Ukraine and to introduce the problems that we have, so everyone, no matter where you come from, what's your background, that they were able to to help. Uh, solve those issues in Ukraine. And that's basically the reason why we are able to do what we do is because of the support uh, that people have given and entrusted us with. And on our part, we're making sure that we are good stewards of everything we receive. Um, we have a daily impact page on our website, uh, hfu.org, where we update daily on everything we do in Ukraine. So anyone who's uh, donated, who's given things, they can go to the website and they can see exactly what's hope for Ukraine has been doing and how the resources that they have entrusted us have been used to help those suffering in Ukraine. Yuri, we're almost out of time, but I just wanted to ask you, how long do you think you'll be able to continue your efforts, your humanitarian relief for Ukraine? Indefinite. I mean, it's a long-term uh, project, long-term goal. Once we, once the war gonna stop, we will have to work on rebuilding Ukraine. So, I'm in it for a long haul, and uh, we will go. We will help rebuild Ukraine and make Ukraine to be the the best country in Europe, God willing. If. Our audience would like to donate to Hope for Ukraine. Where can they find it on the internet? 
You can go to our website, hfu.org, and you can make donations there. Also on Facebook, Hope for Ukraine, Instagram, Hope for Ukraine. So you can always uh, make donations through social media platforms as well. Yuri, thank you so much for joining us today on Krenitsia. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I have been speaking with Yuri Boyechko, who is president of a nonprofit, Hope for Ukraine, which is providing humanitarian relief to Ukraine during the war with Russia. And this episode of Krenitsia has been produced for the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that's been published in English since 1933 for the global Ukrainian community. I'm Mike Burek, your host and producer of Kadenitsya, and until next time, that's all for now.